One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The secret to summer ready skin is here. Osea's number one best selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. It's signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. I'm standing two and a half thousand metres up in the Alps. Around me I can see little peaks poking through the clouds. One day, early last month, your friend of mine, Tom Whipple, Times Science Editor, began a climb up a windy mountain in Switzerland. And below me is a beautiful, absolutely beautiful, almost artificially blue glacial lake. And above me is the Pitzel Glacier, or what used to be the Pitzel Glacier. There's a little patch of grey ice still there. Probably it's been there for 100, 200 years. And it's what remains of what is no longer classed in Switzerland as a glacier. He was there to see the Pitzel Glacier, or what was left of it, with a glaciologist who's been studying it for 15 years. We are here in a, as part of a pilgrimage for ice to say goodbye to a bit of the Alps that's going. So we can hear the sound of a rushing stream and that rushing stream is the last bits of the Pitzel Glacier heading down to that beautiful blue lake and disappearing forevermore. When it comes to our changing environment, we are breaking all kinds of records. Most of them are not good news. Last month, remember, was the hottest July ever recorded on planet Earth. Even in Antarctica, temperatures in March were as much as 40 degrees centigrade higher than normal. Tom went to see what's left in the Swiss Alps, with a man whose life's work is literally melting away before his very eyes. It's undeniably climate change in action. So what can one big chunk of ice... Tell us about our own changing relationship with the world around us. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Luke Jones. Today, one man's pilgrimage to say goodbye to a piece of ice. My name is Tom Whipple, and I am the science editor at The Times. A few weeks ago, Tom travelled to Zargans, a Swiss village about an hour's train ride from Zurich. He was meeting Matthias Huss, a professor of glaciology at the University Etehor Zurich. I came across him because he tweets about ice, and during the course of last summer, he was sending out a lot of messages that were getting a lot of traction because they were quite sad. He 
He is, well, I guess he's about the same age as, as me in his early middle age. Matthias is also extremely fit. He's very much a man of the mountains. And uh, he, he told me about the, the day he tried to climb every, every single peak in Liechtenstein, which involved going up and down a lot more than the height of Everest. So he's quite an intimidating man to go up a mountain with. On that trip, Tom and Matthias left Zogans and went on a drive. He's taking me to see what was once a glacier and a glacier that he feels very strongly about. This is the very first time, actually, that I'm not hoping to do any measurements because there are no uh, installations anymore up there. Yeah. But there is still a tiny, tiny piece of ice left. So it's really the, the last, very last remnant of the, of the glacier ice. And um, the aim is to take it home. <laughs> Matthias started studying the glacier in 2006 as a PhD student and with Tom by his side, his plan was to go back up there and take a piece of the ice that's left. We'll hear more from Tom and Matthias' trip a little bit later on. But first, after Tom got back to London, we caught up to find out what had actually led him up that mountain to go and join Matthias and say goodbye to some ice and to ask him what a glacier actually is. So a glacier is ice that moves and lasts for multi-years. During the course of a winter, snow falls, the snow gets compressed into ice, and ice forms, and if that lasts into next winter, more ice forms, it goes down in layers like tree rings. And if you imagine this is happening at the top of a mountain, what happens is that ice very slowly falls under the gravity of new ice above, and you end up with the thing that we know as a glacier. There is also a more arbitrary definition that's used by the Swiss people who look at glaciers, which is it needs to be more than 0.01 square kilometres in area because otherwise there are too many gullies with moving ice and you're just going to have far too many glaciers to look at. And why do we need to look at them? What's so interesting about them? There are lots of answers to that. There's a purely utilitarian answer, you know, what have glaciers ever done for us? In terms of what's going on in Switzerland, glaciers are a balancing force. When it's rainy, the rivers go rushing down the mountainside. When it's sunny, the rivers go rushing down the mountainside because that's when the glaciers melt. So what they do is they ensure that you essentially buffer your rainflow and you've always got water flowing in those streams. And obviously that matters for farming. It matters for the cooling of power stations. It matters for drinking. It matters for all sorts of things. There's then a broader thing, which is the glaciers are the bellwether. They're the thing that we can see that is showing us what climate change is doing. On the science front, are people like Matthias going around with measuring sticks in the seasons, keeping track of them? What kind of observations do they do? For a long time, we have measured the length of glaciers because that's really mattered. If you're a farmer at the bottom of the glacier, you want to know if it's coming for your fields <laughs> yeah. or if it's giving you new fields. Hmm. The glacier measurement that actually matters more and is better able to assess what's going on is the overall mass measurement. And they do that and have done it for over a century by going up to the top of a glacier, drilling a hole in it down maybe four or five metres and dropping a pole into that and then you measure how much of the pole is poking out of the top. And during the winter, the snow comes and compacts into 
ice. During the summer, the ice melts. The difference between that is whether the glacier is growing or shrinking, and you can see that as to how far up the ice is on your pole. Hmm. And this, this fun has been happening for centuries. Even back to Lord Byron and the rest, people have been mesmerised by glaciers. We have, and for a long time, glaciers were growing. When the great Victorian poets decided that they were going to experience the sublime and moon around the Alps writing poems, they were fascinated by the sort of terror of these things. I think Byron described them as like a frozen hurricane. And they were coming. They were coming for the villages. In paintings at the time, you see these glaciers depicted as ravenous snakes encroaching on the villages, eating up their their fields. There was one village, um, the village of Feisha, the, the head of one of the glaciers, which instituted prayers. They instituted a formal pilgrimage at which women were not allowed to wear colourful underwear um, out of the sign of their piety. And that was to pray for the glacier to stop encroaching, to stop growing. And it did eventually. From about the mid-1800s, they stopped growing and they started retreating and retreating and retreating. And they've been doing it ever since. And in recent years, for very obvious reasons, it's only been increasing. And the retreating of glaciers in this part of the world, is it cut and thrust the fault of man-made climate change? So you always hedge things. You can never say one thing or another. We know that there was in Europe a little ice age, and we know that's what led to the large growth. They got very big in that. It takes a long time to return to the sort of stable Mm. state. So certainly, you know, probably for the first half of the 20th century, you were talking about them still responding to the changes from that. But now, you know, there's no doubt we are one and a bit degrees above where we would be otherwise at this stage it's any other signal any other natural variation is being overwhelmed by climate change so bring us back to the modern era where we're up a mountain in switzerland with matthias why was he interested in, in Pitzel glacier i mean he started looking at this even when he was doing his phd this right? this was the glacier he was assigned mm. this was his baby he was assigned Hang on, assigned do you get assigned a glacier at some point in your professor of ice career he got yeah he got <laughs> given a glacier he was he was doing his phd on it and you've got to start somewhere and you know all graduate students get given projects to do for their mm. supervisor and his was to measure the Pitzel glacier It's not a glacier that many people will have given much thought to. It was small at the time. With the warming we have already had, it is an inevitability that half the ice in Switzerland is gone. It's clear from the beginning that it's going to to die away. Um, So it's it's not a surprise, I would say, that it's now now gone. But still, it's impressive to to really witness uh, this disappearance. So it's already doomed. It was doomed when he went up there in 2006. But he was taking the baton for what we now know is the last race of the Pitzel Glacier. Coming up, have you ever heard the sound of a glacier dying? And can melting glaciers be reversed? That's in a moment. Thank you. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Tom, you're off to see what is left of this glacier, whatever's left of it. Tell us about the climb. We got a cable car up and then it was about another thousand metres up of climb. So we probably climbed the Ben Nevis, but starting at about... 1,500 metres rather than at sea level. And it's a beautiful walk. Are we seeing a little bit of the Pitzel Glacier uh, rushing past us? now. The next valley. Ah, OK. <laughs> we have to cross, so, cross over a pass and then... Uh, not this snow melt. <laughs> it's in this crescent of mountains... You have to go over a pass, um, at which stage there was still snow on the ground, so the pass was at about 2,500 metres. And then suddenly you see out onto this vista, this sort of bowl of mountains that, that used to hide the Pitzel Glacier. This hiking route we're, we're doing is very famous. It's so-called uh, Five Flakes Hike. So there are... When you go over the pass, you see this amazing deep blue lake, which is the blue of the glacial sediment. And the, the glacier used to reach to the lake. Everybody's taking pictures. Normally there always used to be this beautiful glacial lake with a, with a, with a blue, blue color, really shiny. And then always in the back, there was this small glacier. From the viewpoint, you used to be able to see something that was unambiguously a glacier. But then, yeah, we walked for about probably half an hour before we reached where the ice used to be. But that was a point where when he started, there was 40 metres of ice above his head. And when you were chatting to, to Matthias, did he explain how how much what you were walking through had changed in the, in the years that he'd been doing it? In 2006, it was probably one, about 1.2 million tonnes. But what's been interesting is just how fast it has gone. Um, I don't think he would have predicted that at all. So from 2006 to 2016, each year it gradually lost a bit of its mass, um, about a third of its mass. And during that time, he was finding things. A particularly exciting find was a bit of newspaper that poked out. So the newspaper looked really like it was lost yesterday because it was all fresh. So I, you could really take newspaper and, 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 read well, and, and, and read it. Which enabled them to precisely date it. To the articles. And then there was suddenly an article about West Berlin. Mm. <laughs> so West Berlin means that it must oh, have been uh, yeah. pretty yes. early. So, yeah. oh, wow, that's, uh, that's an old newspaper. So we continued. 
and it mentioned someone had recently died. So they could absolutely precisely date it. Was it a copy of the Times? <laughs> it was. I believe it was in German. Oh. <laughs> and is there a point at which it's shrunk so much that he has to say this isn't a glacier anymore? It began to happen in 2017. So if you remember where we were, 2016, this had lost a third of its mass. So it had gone mm. down to about 800,000 tonnes. Then in 2017, it split apart. And what was once a continuous glacier became lots of little bits. So it split up in the middle, leaving one thin part on the top and one at the bottom. And then it went very, very fast. So in 2019, it broke apart into five pieces. 2020, and even more. It essentially collapsed. By 2019, they no longer had instruments on it because there was nowhere to put them, really. And that must have been a sad moment for him. It was, and they held a funeral for it. 2019, there was this funeral, which was an emotional moment because so many people came and the uh, national media. So it was kind of this last spotlight for this glacier. Yeah. And, uh, they marked the end of its appearance on maps as a glacier because it had also dropped below the area where it would really be classified as a glacier. There's still a lot of glacial ice at this stage. Mm. He said there were sort of a couple of hundred people and there were speeches made. He gave a speech about the glacier and there were other people, environmentalists, who gave speeches. And it was, you know, it was a way of marking something emotionally. Mm. It was also a way of putting down a marker ecologically. A lot of glaciers, using the sort of 0.01 square kilometres definition, have been lost. Few of them have been named. Mm. This was one that was bigger than the others and that had a name to it, had a history to it, had been measured since the 1890s. It's part of a walk that the Victorians used to go on and marvel at it. So it was something different to see this gone, and they wanted it marked. But tells a, a wider story about the region that it's been in, and a story, I guess, of the last just few years that it's been particularly bad, or what? The really bad year was last year. I mentioned the mass balance experiments where they drill a hole four or five mm. metres down, they put a pole in it, and then they measure the difference. For the first time that anyone can remember, across Switzerland, they had to go up and re-drill all of the holes because the poles had fallen over. They'd put them in five metres of glacier, and five metres of glacier had disappeared. And how bad was last summer? How... How would you characterise? I mean, last summer was just uh, the perfect storm for glaciers. It was the, the, the absolute record loss ever. So um, all previous records were shattered completely. So we had... The um, previous record was in 2003. It was a very hot summer in, in Europe. He estimated the Swiss Alps lost 6% of their ice, at three cubic kilometres of ice last year in one summer in one summer so six percent of everything that that was there before and in 2003 it was uh, 3.8 percent so it was really not just a little bit more than the previous record it was really a completely new, uh, new yeah. dimension but what does that do to switzerland if you if you lose six percent of your ice does it do anything to the ecology. The weird thing is, 
not immediately. If we're just talking about water flow, which is one of the major things, mm. well, they had a heck of a lot of water flow. But the problem is that can only happen once. Mm. Normally, the glaciers are a buffer that fills up in the winter and depletes in the summer. And once the size of the buffer really diminishes, what you end up with is just a lot less annual water flow. So, back to this bit of ice formerly known as a glacier. People have been studying it since 1890. Matthias has been studying it since 2006. They finally had a kind of funeral for it in 2019. You're there with him in the present day. What do you see once you've climbed all the way up here to, to the ice? What I looked at still looked like a lot of ice, and I asked him. But we're left with, I mean, do you have any sense of what volume of ice that is? He paused and said, Nothing. Mm. Nothing. In glacier terms, it's, it's just not there. I would estimate 10,000 metres cube. Yeah. I mean, really nothing in comparison to what it used to be. Um, 10 years. It's now 10,000 tonnes, which sounds a lot, but that's about 1% of what it was mm. in 2006. We're walking up the glacial moraine now, following the path of the stream. My feet are getting wet. They are getting wet in little bits of what remains of the Pitzel Glacier. hundred years ago, all of this would have been ice. Even 50 years ago, we'd have probably been able to see some ice. But as we get closer, we approach a bit where there was a dramatic collapse 10 years ago. The whole place should be in winter conditions. There should still be snow on the ground. You should still be able to ski it, but it's depleting. And it's, you're hearing this beautiful, like, tinkling sound, but that's the death rattle of the glacier. And then you hear a hacking sound because Matthias is hitting it with his ice axe and he's taking a chunk of ice off. How much are you going for? So where did that piece of ice go? His freezer. <laughs> Just for sentimental values. <laughs> for sentimental values. So we don't know if it'll last the summer. I asked him why he was doing this. Is there some scientific value in keeping a little bit of this ice? And he said, basically, no. This is a sentimental thing. But, I mean, especially people living in the Alps, they are strongly uh, connected with, with glaciers because this is part of the... Yeah, it's your home. Yeah. Like, it belongs to the mountains. You, you have positive feelings from holidays and uh, and so on so it's really something that is um, part of the culture I would say yeah. um, I mean this is why, why these glaciers are special because you build, you build a relation 
to them or at least I built a relation to this glacier because I was there so often and I see this uh, changes this, 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 this movement um, and for me it therefore has kind of a more emotional value even though it's we know they can collapse suddenly it's entirely possible it won't last the summer but he wants to save a bit because he wanted to take his children to see this glacier and he hasn't and he do doesn't know now whether he'll be able to so the last redoubt of the Pitzel Glacier is going to be the freezer of Matthias Hus. Next to an old lasagna and a tray of ice. Exactly that. So does your... Um, my wife wouldn't want me using up the freezer to fill it, fill it with ice. No, she, she was not that, not that happy because uh, there is already some snow in it and uh, she told me that I should not bring back too much ice. <laughs> but I checked yesterday and uh, I think there's some, some, there's some space left. And you're not going to have a little bit for a gin and tonic? A little? <laughs> I could maybe sell it, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah! Incredible price. <laughs> God, you could! <laughs> Do you want a piece of gin tonic with uh, the most excellent with toast the, the, with the, the, last, the very last piece <laughs> of Pizzol Glacier? <laughs> Is it clear what can be done beyond everyone meeting their net zero targets and the rest? Or are we already past a point of no return to some extent? There's no way that the Switzerland of 50 years can look like the Switzerland of today. I mean, it, it's simple thermodynamics. There is a huge buffer period between temperature rising and then seeing the ice diminish because it takes a long time to melt ice. So by some estimates, we'll have lost 90% of the ice by the end of the century. And so it's going to look like a very different Switzerland. And so what do you think we should all take away from that? So much of climate change is projections into the future. It's contested. It makes people very cross. This is a thing. It is happening. You cannot argue with a million tons of ice. Now, whatever your stance, if you're one of those people who says we just have to adapt to climate change... In this podcast, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just going to say, even if you believe that, you can still be sad about the end of ice. Mm. You can still look at this and say, this is something that we've lost and that we're going to lose and that we're losing. So I don't think this needs to be about something didactic. I, I think we've got enough crossness in climate change. This is simply something that's happening. And I think we should all... Look at it. Mm. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Luke Jones, and my guest, science editor of The Times, Tom Whipple. And if you want more Whipple, Tom has got a fascinating new book out. It's called The Battle of the Beams, the secret science of radar that turned the tide of the Second World War. We've put a link to the Times bookshop in the description of this episode. And if you're a Times subscriber, you can get 10% off. The producers today were Sam Chantarasek and Sasha Nagara. The executive producers today were Kate Ford and James Shield. And sound design was by David Crackles. If you have a story you think we should be covering, maybe you've an idea for a future episode, or 
maybe you've got some thoughts and feedback on what you've just heard, send us an email. Storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk is how to reach us. Goodbye.